Stop the presses. We have a new top story this morning as Hamish McLennan is sacked in Australia. Also, the biggest rugby story of 2023 just won't go away. And world rugby somehow just made it worse. And in the URC, it's a great weekend to be from Scotland. Let's get to it. Hey everybody and welcome to the November 20, 2023 edition of the Rugby Report, your weekly recap and preview podcast of all things rugby. My name is Dwayne Burkhardt and in this episode, just minutes ago, Rugby Australia gave me a hold the presses moment as the board has fired their chairman, Hamish McLennan. We'll also talk about the story that just won't die, aka the controversy over the World Cup Grand Final and how World Rugby actually managed to make it worse. Then, we'll talk about why the bagpipes are blowing all over Scotland when we cover the weekend's action in the URC. And finally, we'll have part two of my preview of the 2024 Super Rugby Pacific season as we look at the rosters for the Aussie teams and the Fijian Drua. But first, wow, what a headline to wake up to this morning as Rugby Australia fires its chairman, Hamish McLennan, in a damning letter of no confidence from not less than six state rugby unions, the union said, quote, We do not believe Mr. McLennan has been acting in the best interests of our game. We no longer have any faith or trust in his leadership or the direction in which he is taking rugby in Australia. Additionally, <laughs> that's right, folks, there's more. The letter said, quote, we believe Mr. McLennan has been acting outside his role as a director, exerting an undue influence on the operations and executives of Rugby Australia. And believe it or not, that was the polite version. Wow! McLennan will be replaced by former Wallaby great-turned-businessman Dan Herbert, whose first job will be to frankly rescue Union Rugby in Australia, the nation which, let's not forget, is set to host the next Men's Rugby World Cup in 2027 and then the Women's World Cup in 2029. Next, speaking of the World Cup, just when you thought the controversy of the grand final debacle had finally gone away, World Rugby did finally make a statement. Sort of. But in a near textbook example of how to shoot oneself in the foot, what they did not only didn't make things better, they arguably made it worse. According to multiple media reports this week, executives from World Rugby did finally reach out to New Zealand to comment on the single most egregious officiating error during the grand final, which was the TMO's violation of the rules regarding the Aaron Smith try, and in that conversation, World Rugby apparently acknowledged that the call was incorrect and in violation of the stated rules, which, frankly, everyone who has read the rule in the last several weeks already knew. But the story doesn't just get weird from there, it gets flat-out bizarre, as New Zealand officials were then told that this admission was a private one, and that no public statement about the call, or the overall officiating, or the game, was going to be made. So, just to be clear, World Rugby has privately admitted that a horrible mistake was made, but they've also said that they're not going to admit it publicly. And that, my friends, is how you take an already bad situation and make it worse. Now, before I move on to the next story, I have a personal opinion to add, which might seem a little strange. In a very real way, the fact that events have played out the way they did benefits New Zealand. Why? 
Because had the Smith try not been overturned, then the All Blacks would have, quote-unquote, won the game. And today, the incredible and legitimate outcry would then be focused on how New Zealand inappropriately won the World Cup, because the fact is that there was a knock on five phases earlier that the head referee Barnes also missed. So nearly a month later, my bottom line still remains the same. World Rugby needs to publicly admit that serious mistakes were made, and they need to publicly commit to reforming their officiating practices to ensure that it doesn't happen again. Now, let's head into round five in the URC, where, to quote Mike Myers, if it's not Scottish, it's crap! Okay, that may be overstating things a bit, but fans in Scotland should be forgiven if they're feeling a bit euphoric and invincible this morning, because it was an awfully good weekend up in the Highlands. Of course, the weekend didn't begin there. It began over in Ulster, when the hard-luck 1-3 Joburg Lions roared into Kingspan Stadium and, at least in the first half, appeared to be ready for their second road win in a row and a return to at least the middle of the table. The score was 14-7 Lions at the break, but apparently the Ulster coach delivered one heck of a halftime speech because when the game resumed, Ulster scored two tries in the first six minutes, and from there, they shut the door on the Lions. The full-time score was Ulster 24, Lions 17. Next up, a game that simultaneously amazed and annoyed me, as the Zebra Parma, coming off their first win in a year and a half, faced off against my struggling Cardiff Blues. I went way out on a limb in predicting the first winning streak for Zebra in, well, I don't even know, but a very, very long time. And in fairness to me, Zebra didn't lose the game. But they didn't win either. This game was about as back and forth evenly played and evenly matched as any game in the URC so far this season. But when Cardiff scored a go-ahead try in minute 71, you kind of felt like the tide might have finally turned for the Blues and that it was back to the Blues for Zebra. But no. You see, Zebra was just reminded of what not losing feels like, and they wanted more. So when the full-time Hooter blew, they had possession, and they just kept playing. And playing. And playing. Until finally, in the 86th minute, Leonard Krumov scored the game-tying try. Prisantelli made the conversion kick, and just like that, we have yet another draw this season. That's right, the full-time score here was Zebra 22, Cardiff 22. But let's get to the game that everyone in my family wants to talk about. What on earth is in the water in Edinburgh this season? Now, I've already noted that Edinburgh is a much-improved squad this year. But even I was shocked when they took down my top-of-the-table Connacht last weekend. And yes, even though I predicted that they would best the Bulls this weekend, that was largely a family loyalty pick. And the truth was that I was skeptical that Edinburgh could beat two teams that were above them in the table at the time two weeks in a row. But that, as they say, is why they play the game. The game was a tight contest throughout the first half, but as I watched it, I had to give the edge to the Bulls who simply looked more in control and seemed to be able to move the ball more freely. But that all changed in the opening moments of the second half when Bulls captain Marcel Ketsy was given a red card for a shoulder charge. And at that moment, 
You could feel the momentum flow into the home team. And it did. Edinburgh scored two tries in the next seven minutes, and they rolled on from there. Full credit to the Bulls, though. They stayed in this game despite some pretty tough circumstances. But the end result is that Edinburgh continues its surprising winning streak. The full-time score, Edinburgh 31, Bulls 23. Saturday's action began in Durban when the Sharks finally got to swim home with their fins between their, well, fins, I guess. Okay, that metaphor doesn't work at all. Anyway, as I have noted, the Sharks have been harpooned this season, but they returned home to face Connacht in a game that I don't have a lot to say about, except to say that it did actually go pretty much exactly as I predicted, and that the Sharks did play better, it was a close game, but in the end, Connacht was simply a very slightly better team on the night. And they frankly escaped with the victory, the full-time score, Sharks 12, Connacht 13. Next up, the Dragons returned to Rodney Park to face the Ospreys. Both teams were coming off disappointing losses, where they played pretty well. Both seemed pretty evenly matched against each other. And both really needed a win. Unfortunately for the Ospreys, That Dragons defense that I talked about in last week's episode was back again. But unlike last week, the Ospreys lacked the offensive prowess of Leinster and the Dragons laid down a line of fire that the Ospreys had great difficulty crossing. In fact, after allowing a try in the opening few minutes, the Dragons shut the door on the Ospreys for the remaining 76 minutes of the game. The full-time score was Dragons 20, Ospreys 5. Next, Munster welcomed the Stormers to town. The Stormers have struggled to make it to even tropical depression strength so far this season, and they were unable to find the try line all game. And well, it's hard to win when you don't score. They got a penalty kick in the opening minutes of the second half, but this was otherwise a game that I kind of fell asleep watching, and obviously, I didn't miss much. The full-time score was Munster 10, Stormers 3. We head back to Scotland for the next game, where the Glasgow Warriors welcomed the Cardiac Kids themselves. That's right, it's Benetton coming to town for... a lesson in why you don't face the Warriors at home. Credit to Benetton in that they took a 6-0 lead early on in a couple of penalties, but they literally didn't make it over the try line all night, and where they were scoring penalties, the Warriors were scoring tries. Four of them to be exact, and that was more than enough to secure this win as it was a dominating weekend for the kilt-clad men of the North. The full-time score here, Warriors 26, Benetton 12. And finally this weekend, the game that I not only correctly predicted, I even called it as the lone blowout of the weekend. And it was. Leinster welcomed the Scarlets to the RDS Arena, where they became, well, victims. It was an eight tries to one kind of game, folks. And the full-time score was an ouch-inducing Leinster 54, Scarlets 5. So let me just say that again. Ouch. Now for those keeping track, I was robbed of my first perfect week in the URC in more than a year by the Dragons. But I was still 6-1. and one which is also my best performance of the year, and it brings me to 27-11 and 11 overall. Looking ahead now to round six, 
As America recovers from its annual face-stuffing festival, otherwise known as Thanksgiving, my Cardiff Blues will return home to face the also-struggling Stormers. The Stormers, as noted, have struggled to produce little more than a breeze in 2023, but the Blues are currently among the best-named franchises in the sport. I'd love to predict a Blues win at home here. Really, I would. And I'd be happy to be wrong. But I have to believe that the Stormers are closer to bringing the thunder than the Blues are. Stormers win. Also on Friday night, Edinburgh welcomes the Cardiac Kids as Benetton continues its Northern Road Tour. Now, as I've noted, Benetton has been just plain exciting to watch for most of their games this year. But Edinburgh is on fire right now. And they're home. And they just beat Connacht and the Bulls in the last two weeks. They are rolling right now. And they will continue to do so. Edinburgh wins this game. Saturday's action will begin in Johannesburg, where the Lions will return to Emirates Airline Park, where they enjoy the greatest home field advantage of any major sports team on earth. That's right, people. Their stadium is even higher up than Mile High Stadium in Denver. The Lions will face the recently surging Zebra Parma, and we certainly haven't said that in a long time. Will Zebra at least not lose its third straight? Or will the Lions devour the striped ones? It's the latter. Honestly, the Lions have struggled, and Zebra has momentum. But back home, and thoroughly frustrated by their recent road trip, I have to believe that the Lions will roar at home. Lions win. Next, the Pretoria Bulls also return home, where they will face Connacht. Connacht needed a bit of the luck of the Irish to sink the Sharks last week, but will they be able to do it again against the Bulls? I don't know. Frankly, this is, I think, the closest matchup of the week, and I hate to pick against my favorite Irish side, but I think the Bulls will bounce back at home, and maybe they don't trample Connacht, but they will win. Saturday's extended action continues in Durban as the South Africans get their third home game of the day when the Sharks face the equally struggling Dragons in a game where, as they say, well, somebody has to win. Seriously, I've never been more tempted to predict a draw in my life, but as much promise as the Dragons have shown me, they're still making too many mistakes, and the Sharks are due at home. The Sharks finally get their first win of the season here as they add their names to the list of Dragon Slayers this season. Next up, it's what I am predicting will be the game of the week, as Leinster faces Munster at beautiful Aviva Stadium, which I predict will be rockin' for this game. Expect this to be a high-octane, high-energy dogfight between two determined Irish sides. But right now, Leinster is returning to the form we saw them show for the bulk of last season, and especially at home. I have to pick them over the Munster men. Leinster wins. Finally on Saturday, another potentially really good game as the Glasgow Warriors welcome Ulster to town in a game that is a key matchup for both teams. The two teams come into the match currently ranked second and third on the table, and they look it. This is one of those games that I simply have no idea which way to call. Seriously, it's a total coin toss for me but I have to pick someone. So, in a close call, I'm going to go with another all-Scotland weekend here, and I'll say that the Warriors will somehow manage to eke out a win in this game. 
And finally, the weekend's URC action will come to a close on Sunday morning when the Ospreys will host the Scarlets in another example of a game where, well, somebody has to win. And in this case, it will be the Ospreys. They will bounce back and win this Welsh Derby, and they will beat the Scarlets. Turning our attention to the Premiership now, in Friday night's opener at the Rec, Bath won their second in a row, while the Bristol Bears dropped their third straight. And this one was a heartbreaker for the Bears. Full-time score, Bath 20, Bears 19. Later in the evening, the Sail Sharks kept their win streak alive, while Newcastle sadly kept their losing streak intact. The full-time score there was never in doubt, and in the end, it was Sail 40, Newcastle 22. On Saturday, the Leicester Tigers turned things around and clawed their way to victory, taking down the Northampton Saints 26-17. But then, in the game of the weekend in the Premiership, the Harlequins, at home, in Twickenham, get just plain pummeled by the Saracens. Full-time score there was Harlequins 10, Saracens 38. Whoa! And finally, Earlier today, the Exeter Chiefs found themselves in a surprisingly competitive match in Sandy Park as they narrowly edged Gloucester 25-24. Finally on our show this week, part two of my look at the 2024 Super Rugby Pacific rosters, and I'll start with the Aussies in the Aussie capital with the Brumbies, which is probably the easiest to comment on because, well, there is very little change from last season. From Alan Alalatoa, whose injury status we do not have an update on, but he is on the roster, to Jack Debrasini, Tom Hooper, Noah Lolasio, and the Lonergan brothers, the Brumbies are pretty obviously beginning their 2024 campaign with the theme of, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Moving on to Melbourne, the big story, and any story involving 10 Yellow Tupo is a big story, for obvious reasons, is that Australia's largest landmass of a player is most likely out for the Rebels in 2024. He injured his Achilles in Dublin in a test match earlier this year, and that makes the job for the team even harder in 2024. Still, the team has both talent and potential, with names like Carter Gordon and Matt Proctor on the roster, but notably missing is longtime Rebel superstar Reese Hodge, who has moved on to France. Moving on to Sydney, the New South Wales Waratahs will begin their 2024 campaign with a mix of new faces and old. It's now been 10 years since the Taz last won the league championship, but the fact is that the Taz were, frankly, much bigger and much tougher in 2023 than they had been in recent years. Still, it remains to be seen if they can turn that size and toughness into a higher place on the table. Similarly, the Queensland Reds begin their 2024 campaign with a great deal of promise, but without former head coach Brad Thorne, who was, in my opinion, scapegoated and inexplicably fired last year after the Reds failed to reach their potential. Still, with names like Tate McDermott and James O'Connor shoring up the middle of the field, no one can question the potential that is once again there for the Reds, but like the Taz, it remains to be seen whether or not they can turn potential into points. Finally, in the land down under, the Nick White era will begin in Perth as the Western Force opened their minds and their pocketbooks when they put together their squad for this season. White's rather stunning transition to the Wild West, where at least his mustache will finally be allowed to roam freely in the countryside, sparked some changes to the Force's lineup this year, 
Other key players include Tom Horton and Chase Tiatia. But the big question for the Force is whether or not the Force will be with them. And that remains to be seen. And finally, probably the most fun team to watch in 2023, the Fijian Drua return in 2024 with a lineup that bears more than a slight resemblance to their national side. Can anyone say Hagiwares Part 2? Ah, but who cares? This team played some ridiculously exciting games last year in front of some of the most raucous and pumped-up crowds I have ever seen at a rugby game. So if we get more of that next year, well, I'm happy. And once again, folks, that is all the more time we have for the November 20, 2023 edition of the Rugby Report. Thanks for listening. Please hit subscribe and tell all of your rugby friends about our show. Until next time, remember the most important thing in life. Waffles. See you next time. This episode of the Rugby Report is the 2023 copyrighted property of Narratives, LLC. It is intended for the free, private, and non-commercial use of its listeners only, and may not be rebroadcast or retransmitted, either in whole or part, without written permission. Please email info at narrativesllc.com for more information.